This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 39 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show, the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week exploring the world of sports psychology, the mental side of sports. And we talk about all kinds of things in this show, like how to deal with sportsmanship, how do you get mentally prepared to play, how do you handle winning and losing, what happens if a parent or a coach or a teammate goes out of control, and we're going to get into that one today. You know, I've been doing this on my 40th year of work, and the beginning of January will be get, be the beginning of my 30th consecutive year on radio, the last to be beginning my 20th year at Sports Radio at 10 WHB. And I'm very lucky to have the opportunity to do this show with you every week and talk about these things because this stuff is important. Our shows are podcasted all over the place, and uh, I get actually emails from Europe and Australia this past week from a couple of people listening to the podcast. So I'm honored that people do listen to this show around the country. And, you know, we do this show for a couple of reasons. Most importantly, to talk about the mental side of sports, because there really isn't anybody else who talks about this consistently like I have for years, but also to help you understand how to have fun. If you've got kids playing sports, especially kids, it should be about fun. Learning fundamentals, learning skills, growing, developing, how to be a good teammate, how to handle winning and losing, success and failure. But more than anything else, youth sports should be about having fun. You know, last week we talked about a high school football player in Texas during playoffs who, after being called for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty and being taken out of the game, went out and leveled the referee. Gave him a, knocked him unconscious, gave him a concussion. Well, guess what happened this week? A youth football coach is now facing criminal charges after striking a player. Guess how old he was? 16, 15, 14, no, 13, 12, 11, no, 10, no, 9. 9 years old. So I'm going to play from ESPN the report on this. And then I want to talk about this today. Because there is no excuse for this. A grown man, and he is a large man, punched a nine-year-old kid on his team. Now, I don't know what this young man did to deserve his ire. doesn't say. But it doesn't matter. You don't hit a kid when you're an adult in any situation, let alone being a coach. Because there is a code of conduct for the American youth football coaches that I'm going to read. But I'm going to play this report first, so here it goes. Well, we're in a time where we've grown numb to watching shocking viral videos, but there's one from Monday that stood out, and today there's news that criminal charges will be filed. A youth football coach from Georgia was caught on camera striking a player on a team that featured 
Nine-year-old kids. Michelle Steele has more. It's tough to watch. A youth football coach striking a young player. He briefly walks away, then returns to hit him again, appearing this time to knock him down. Terrell Williams, seen here, was coaching his under-nine team, the Savannah, Georgia Gators, at a football tournament Monday in Kissimmee, Florida. When the video reached social media, outrage from the sports world was swift, with the likes of Shannon Sharp and LeBron James condemning the coach in no uncertain terms. Williams has since been terminated from his job as a counselor in the Chatham County, Georgia Detention Center and has posted his own apology to Facebook, saying, quote, I'm not going to make no excuses for what I did. I was wrong. I shouldn't have disciplined him in public. There's no excuse for my actions. He forgave me and his parents have forgiven me. So nobody else should be bashing me. The American Youth Football League declined a request for an on-camera interview, but provided this statement to ESPN. We are, of course, beyond disappointed in the coach's actions. The coach has been banned indefinitely from all future AYF events and activities, and we have been working with local law enforcement, and the coach has himself reached out to local police to turn himself in. According to the incident report, the mother of the young player declined to press charges, but the Osceola, Florida Sheriff's Office told ESPN Friday charges for child abuse will be filed against Williams. The office added there is zero tolerance when it comes to the abuse of a child. For ESPN, I'm Michelle Steele. The American Youth Football League also added that Williams violated the organization's annual code of conduct for coaches and that all coaches, including Williams, are required to undergo background checks and further training protocols. Okay, so we've got this situation. Once again, I don't know why somebody would do this. A nine-year-old kid, now, maybe this young man mouthed off to him. Maybe he did something inappropriate. We don't know. It doesn't say what this young man did. But it doesn't matter. You don't hit kids. And if you're a coach... You're supposed to be a role model. Blake, you want to say something? Yeah, so while you were playing that, I I got a chance to actually see the video. And it it looks as if they're just coming off the field after either a play or maybe a pregame warm-up. I'm not really sure because a lot of people are on the field. So I don't know if this is pregame or postgame, but whatever it is, I mean, the, the aggression that this coach had... And he's a big dude. Oh, and he was a big... I mean, compared to these little nine-year-olds, these kids are... Helmets are bigger than them. So, I mean, this this coach is is clearly just... I mean, aggressively angry. Not just, hey, we had a disagreement and all of a sudden I kind of lost it. No, no, no. He was angry from the start. And you could see it in his body language. He was flexing. He was stomping his feet. And he not only hits the kid once, and I'm talking not like a... Uh, you know, I, we, I've, I've talked about on the show how, you know, there's a difference between... A player knowing that he got disciplined, you kind of smack him on the helmet. You know what I mean? Like there's a there's a difference between patting someone on the top of the helmet, saying, "Hey, man, come on, let's pick it up next time." And this guy winded up to hit this kid. Yeah, but 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 even so, this this young man's nine. Okay, that's what I'm saying. I mean, so you he, know, you don't, you, yeah. So so it, there's nothing good about this. Plain, flat, and simple. Not one bit. So this guy, and his excuse was quite frankly a bunch of BS. Okay. You know, nobody should criticize me. Well, you know what, buddy? You need a lot of criticism. And you should never be allowed to coach kids again. I don't care. Even if this is the type of guy that ever gets counseling, which he needs, 
and, and he's a corrections counselor. Yeah, that's what bugged correct, me the most. It, well, he's a corrections officer, counselor at a facility. Really? Boy, I'll bet he's done a hell of a job with those guys who are already in a corrections facility. So who knows what he's done? All right. So here's the deal. No one's perfect. Everybody screws up. We all make mistakes. All right? However, there are things you don't do. Okay? You don't hit kids. You don't hit young kids. And if you're going to become a coach and you're going to take charge over a group of kids, you don't do that type of stuff. Plain, flat, and simple, as I said. You don't do it any ever. So here's the situation. We're going to talk about this today, and I want to open up our phone lines. If you are a coach, what's your opinion on this? If you are a parent, what is your opinion on this? If you're an athlete, did you ever have a coach strike you? I'd love to hear from you if you did. I'd like to hear what happened. If you're a parent and you saw a coach strike a young man, young young lady, go a little bit over the edge, screaming and yelling at him, I'd like to hear from you. And if you have witnessed something like this, what did you do? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? 
How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Olivia, from Washington. <clears throat> Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about sports psychology. And today's topic is in response to a report this week of a football coach, youth football coach in Kissimmee, Florida, who struck a nine-year-old player as he came to the sidelines. Not once, but twice. Struck him. Hit him. Why would an adult strike a kid if you're a coach? You know, you can get angry at kids for screwing up, making mistakes. Fine. But they're kids. Okay? And I don't... It's never been reported what this young man did that drew the ire of this coach. But it doesn't matter. You don't do that. So I'd like to hear from you. If you have witnessed something like this before, if you've witnessed a coach going over the edge. And I don't care what level. I'd like to hear from you. If you're an athlete and you've had a coach who went too far with you verbally or physically, I'd like to hear from you what happened and how it was handled. If you're a parent and you've seen this at a game, at a competition, what did you do? And if you're a coach and you see another coach do this, what did you do? How do you, ha- how do you handle these situations? Okay, because these things can explode into all kinds of problems. I've talked about this stuff forever. I'm in my 40th year of work. I've been interviewed nationally on shows about this. I've talked about it on this show forever. It is, it, you, you, don't do, you don't hit kids. And if you're a coach, you have a responsibility to the people you're coaching, to their families, and to yourself to carry yourself appropriately. Now, everybody has emotions. 
Everybody has feelings. Everybody makes mistakes. Okay, that's that. We're human. You know, I had, I had a young man in my office yesterday. He was a baseball player, and he's struggling with some things. And I said, "Are you a perfectionist?" He goes, "Yeah, everything's got to be right." So I said, "Well, okay. Who have you ever met who's perfect?" And he sort of looked at me. He goes, "Well, nobody." I said, "Well, then, if nobody's perfect and you're trying to be perfect, how are you ever going to be happy?" And they sort of got a grin on his face. Well, yeah, I guess. Okay, so, you know, I mean, we all do screw up. But as a coach, you have a responsibility. You are a role model. You are a mentor. You are a guide. You're a psychologist. You have a strong impact. The American Youth Football Code of Conduct Form talks about not criticizing the players, cheerleaders, or coaches in front of other spectators in the stands, accepting decisions of the game officials, not criticizing an opposing team as players, coaches, or fans by mouth or by gesture. Refrain from physical or verbal abuse or profane language at any time at the game, practice field, or other functions. Abstain from being under the influence or possession of and or drinking alcoholic beverages in the possession or use of illegal substances. This is about fans not being allowed to side, on the sidelines. Don't interfere with the coaching. Okay, don't express complaints. You don't express physical violence. Okay. So this guy has now been terminated. He should be banned for life from ever coaching again. But I'd like to get your thoughts. What do you think? Our people deserve second chances, obviously. But when it comes to being a coach for kids, it's one thing to get upset. It's another thing to lose control of yourself. And you don't strike kids. Several years ago, I had a high school basketball player here in the Kansas City area. Very good player who's working with me. He was a point guard. At a practice, and he was a junior, at a practice, and he's in a Kansas school. At this practice, they had a play where he's bringing the ball up and he had to pass the ball to a certain place. The person he passed the ball to cut the wrong way. He passed the ball where it was supposed to go. Play stopped. They huddle up. He gets drilled in the back of his head by the ba- by a basketball. Guess who threw it? The assistant coach. Knocked him over. This young man was like in shock. Goes home, tells his parents. His dad, who obviously was not happy about that, came up to the school, had some words. The young man transferred, left the school. Now, because of the Kansas City area, there's Kansas and Missouri schools, he transferred to a Missouri school and could immediately play because they actually had a house on the Missouri side in the district this this uh, young man went to. They filed charges against this coach. I don't know whatever happened from it because they left the school. They went after the coach. That guy should never be allowed to coach again either. You don't, you don't drill a kid in the back of a head anywhere with a basketball, a baseball, a football, because they made a bad pass. Controlling emotions. And look, we are living in a difficult time right now. People are stressed. There, there are financial issues, health issues, obviously safety issues everywhere. But if you are coaching kids, you have a responsibility, first and foremost, to yourself, to control your emotions, control what you say, control how you handle yourself, because you are a role model 
to these kids. And you leave an impression on these kids for the rest of their life with your behavior. And when you act inappropriately like that, you have scarred that young person, possibly, for life. Now, hopefully that young man is getting some help about what happened, and they'll deal with it, and he can move on. They've got to talk about it. And you know what? The other kids on that team need to have a discussion about it because you know what? That affected them too. How would you feel if you're on a team and you see a coach punch somebody else, a teammate of yours? That would scare the living daylights out of me if I'm another player. What do you think, Blake? You played all these sports growing up. I think the thing that <laughs> that pisses me off the most is his response was, I shouldn't have reprimanded him in public. He didn't say, I'm so sorry for the way I acted. It was absolutely uncalled for. He said, I shouldn't have done it in public. Yeah, I mean, what, yeah. I well, mean, you what, what kind of... Well, because just, obviously this guy's got issues. This guy's got issues, and he should never be allowed to coach kids again. I, I do agree. And instead of being the correction officer at that correction facility, he may be an inmate there. <laughs> yeah, watch out. Well, well, you don't hit kids as a coach. I mean, you know... That would be I've, an abuse charge coming his way. You know, the University of Iowa basketball coach last year went ballistic at a game and went after the referees in the game. He had to be corralled back. It's the second time I've seen him do that in the last several years. Afterwards, he had they, a couple of days later, they had a press conference. He apologized. They, the University of Iowa was, was fined for violating the sportsmanship contract in the Big Ten. Okay, that's the second time he's done something like that. And then later on that week, I heard, read a story about a youth basketball coach in Iowa who did the same thing, went ballistic after a ref, didn't hit him or anything, but went crazy. And his response was, well, the Iowa, the, the University of Iowa coach did it. Why can't I do it? So when you have these things going on, you, you have a responsibility to the people you're working with. So I want to hear from you. If you're, if you're a parent, if you're a coach, you're an athlete, you're a referee, an umpire, an official, what's your response to this? And if you're an athlete, did you ever have a coach strike you? I'd like to know, did you ever have a coach strike you? If you're a parent, did you ever see a coach strike a young man or young lady? What's your response? How do you deal with it? And if you're an official and you see this, what do you do? This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. 
One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hope you're enjoying the show today. I'm talking about an incident that happened this past week in Kissimmee, Florida, where the coach of a nine-year-old football team struck a player not once but twice as he walked off the field. It's on video. It was on ESPN. We played the report of it as the show started today. And I would like to get your opinion. If you're a coach, I don't care what level you coach at, have you ever seen another coach strike, strike a player, strike an athlete? And if you did, what did you do? What happened? What did you do about it? No one's called in on this yet. I'm sure somebody out there has got an opinion on this, and I'm sure you've seen it because this stuff does happen. 
So if you have witnessed something like this, what did you do? You know, if you're if you're a parent, you're sitting in the stands and you see a coach slap your child, what's, what's your first reaction going to be? Run out there and protect your child. But then, you know, does that cause more problems? If you are an athlete and you've had a coach get angry at you, let's face it, coaches get angry for a lot of very valid reasons. But how do you handle a situation where you've screwed up? You know, my, my definition of winning is did you go out and do the best you could that day? Yeah, we'd all like to come in first place. But I always like to say you can have, you know, a thousand people go out and run a 10, 10K road race. And all thousand people can be winners if they've all run their best times. Now, obviously, somebody's going to come in first place will run faster than everybody else. But you can all be winners if you improved. Now, a lot of people say, oh, come on, dog, that's, a, that's ridiculous. You know, it's all about winning. To quote Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. Well, at the professional level, that's true. But how do you get to the professional level? You have to learn from your mistakes. You have to learn from your failures. We're going to screw up. If you're, a co- if you're a coach and you've got kids screwing up, how do you handle that? Now, it's one thing if they're acting out inappropriately behaviorally, then you have to discipline them, but you don't hit them. You don't do that. But if, if a child you're coaching messes up and it bothers you to the point that you, you, you get angry, then I think you've got a problem. You know, your job is to help them, to guide them. I mean, we, we can all get frustrated. I get it. But if you can't control your own emotions, you have no business being a coach on the sidelines. If you have seen something like this before, I'd love to hear from you. You know, we do our show live here early on Sunday mornings in Kansas City. It's replayed around the country as the week goes on. And I get emails and comments from people all the time about these topics we bring up. And I know this is an issue that a lot of people have had to deal with before. Because this stuff does happen. And it doesn't get reported a lot. Obviously, this was videoed. A lot of times these things aren't videoed because nobody's videoing. But a lot of people are. So if you've had a coach who went too far with your son or daughter, as a parent, what do you do? Well, obviously, every league has rules and guidelines like this code of conduct for the American youth football coaches. You've got administrators, you've got people at the the events that you should be able to report this to, and then you should report it. You know, I've shared on this show many times how I've seen some people go crazy. One of the best was years ago when my son Jonathan was 12 playing soccer. He's now 31. This is 19 years ago. We were going to a game, and we're walking up to the field, my I was married at the time, my wife my and both my sons and I, walking up to the field, and we see a parent chasing a young man who was the sideline ref at this game. The parent then gets grabbed by two other parents and held back. This kid's running off. Our coach, former Kansas City Comets player Edmund Rogova was there. Edmund runs out and was going out what's going on. I followed Edmund. This young man was like shaking and said he was the sideline ref. He made a couple of calls that this parent didn't like. The parent yelled at him earlier, and then the parent got on him and then started chasing. This is at a girls' game, young girls' game, 12-year-old girls' game. And the parents started chasing after him, and the game ended. And the young man, and this is, this is a true story, the young man said, you know, I had to hold my ground 
because I was listening to a radio show earlier in the day with sports psychologists talking about behavior on the sidelines. And I looked at him, I said, well, that was me. <laughs> that was bizarre. But it, my show was on earlier then at a different time, different station. And he had heard me talking about behavior on the sidelines and how to handle it. And this parent was, I found out later, was seriously disciplined, not you know banned from coming to games for a year. And appropriately so. Why would you why would you do that? At a youth sports event, why would you do that? You know, Blake, if if you saw that, you see a parent going crazy on so let's you're you're obviously not a parent yet that we know of. Okay, so so <laughs> not that we know of, yes. Yet. Well, here's my point. If, if if you're on the sidelines at a game and there's another parent on your team, let's say your team, that's losing it. First of all, most people are going to be really uncomfortable in that situation. They're not going to want to say anything. There might be somebody who might go up and say something. But, you know, you don't, you're afraid to say something because this guy or, or man or woman could, could attack you. So I'm going to tell you what I think should be done. What do you think should be done? Well, so I've actually seen this handled a couple different ways. Uh and mishandled so you so you've seen ways. it before is what you're oh saying. yeah when when you've got i mean when you played as many sports as i did for as long as i did you're bound to see some crazy stuff and so when you get these parents and especially sometimes the parents want to get together in the parking lot before the game and they want to kick back a couple brewskis or you know so they might be a little under the influence and that's even worse for the situation because that's just adding fuel to the fire and when you get these parents that are so involved and, and let's just take the um the abuse out of it from what we saw earlier we're now we're just talking so about you've got, excuse me so you've got a, at a nine-year-old sporting event you've got a bunch of parents tailgating in the park outside the field drinking a bunch of beers before the game you ever been down south coach yeah, I went to school in Tennessee. Okay, so you know. Yes, but but, there, but still, that's, it's just sometimes. I mean, not everybody. I, I don't want to say that's everybody, obviously, but there's definitely you know that you've seen it before, uh, especially when it gets to the high school level. Especially when it gets to the high school level. So, um, you know, alcohol. Yeah, but at, always but at a nine at a nine year old, I know nine year old soccer youth soccer game. At, at 10 in the morning? Okay. Anyway, go on. <laughs> so, you know, you get these parents that, you know, they get, they either, they're either overly invested in what their kid is doing on the field to the point where they think that their kid can do no wrong and that the referee is the issue or that they didn't like the way the coach for the other team uh, or, or maybe a, a player on the other team. Like I, for a great example, I saw a wrestling match the other day where a kid was wrestling another kid and this was a high school match and he slammed the other kid pretty hard, but I mean, it was a completely legal move. The parent runs from out of the stands onto the mat and just full-on Superman punches, shoves this opponent who was wrestling his kid, who he felt... And when was this? Th this was probably about three weeks ago. I, I do not know what state this happened in, but I do know it was a high school wrestling match where the parent felt that his kid had been, uh, you know, basically manhandled too rough in the sport of wrestling. So uh, these parents, they feel like they need to be involved uh, in the game somehow. And there's this is a splitting hairs now between how you should react to a coach abusing your child and then just being an overly involved parent to where you're interjecting yourself into a position where you should not be at all. Well, okay, if you play a sport and, you know, outside of a sport like maybe golf or archery or diving or gymnastics where you it's all about focus and execution, 
when you're playing, especially a team sport, you've got to deal with your emotions and you've got to control them. And that's really, really important. So we're going to, in our last segment here, we're going to talk about this and let's kind of love to hear from you. If you're a parent or a coach or an athlete, you've seen this happen before. What'd you do? How'd you handle it? You know, behavior by a coach, by a parent at a sporting event is maybe the most important thing as a, as an adult you need to think about because your behavior impacts those kids. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy. Your football buddy. Or you, your best man. Your worst man. You, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council.
This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. Today's topic is in response to a report out of Kissimmee, Florida, where a youth football coach for nine and under kids struck not once but twice one of his players on his team. He's been terminated from coaching there. I think he should be banned for life from ever coaching again. And the irony is this individual is a counselor at a corrections institute. So God knows what kind of counseling he's done with these people he's working with. So I'd like to get your thoughts on this. Behavior of coaches, parents at games. Let's see what Jeff has to say. Jeff, good morning. How are you? First of all, I want to say good morning to you guys. Uh, good show. Thank you. Um, I have a different take. And uh, first of all, I want to say, like, what just happened three weeks ago in the wrestling match, you really can't justify that one. But I will say, like, I believe, man, that the governing body in sports have a responsibility to make sure that the games are called as fair as possible. And I grew up in Michigan, and I grew up around the Detroit area, man, and we used to have, like, you know, during the football playoffs, Class A, like the public school league, sometimes we have to travel to teams like Birmingham, Brother Rice, out in the suburbs, and, dude, you would get no calls. And they would be blatant. Blatant, just no calls. And you know how it was, you go back 15, 20 years, suburbs and the city. And it's the same thing as Echo in the NBA that we used to laugh at at the Boston Garden, where they would paint the visitors' locker room pink in the playoffs. And they would turn the heat on in June if you made it to the finals. Well, the Oakland the Oakland Raiders used to paint the visiting locker room out in the Oakland Alameda uh, Coliseum pink, also, by the way. But anyway, go go on. So my point was that, but during the playoffs, man, because you are vested as a parent, you are vested as a fan, and when you have two evenly matched teams, you don't want to see the refs. Sort of like how they do in baseball. Sometimes the, the umpires may strike three or a ball four, and it's right in the middle, and it may it was so obvious that they had agendas. So in my mind, I'm not saying it's justifiable, but sometimes you have to do something to stop when it's blatant like that. Well, let me, let, me, a- let me ask you, Jeff, this question, okay? I, I totally get what you're saying. But in regards to what, what I started the show off with, this nine-year-old U9 youth football game, this young man comes to the sidelines and the coach strikes him not once but twice. Okay, let's talk about that. For, forget the high school stuff for a second. This is a okay. youth sporting event. How, how would you feel about that if that was your son and the coach hit him? And we don't know we don't know what this young man did, but nonetheless, what's your opinion on that? My opinion is that a lot of these things that that trickles down to the I take the back a lot of things that evolved into the high school or even the collegiate ranks with Bobby Knight attitude back in the day, which you, I'm sure that you know of. Right, it starts there. It starts there. Exactly what you just said. Right. And people allow that thing, allow that to fester, allow it to go on. I don't know what happened, just like you don't know what happened. Striking the kid, I didn't see the video, but if you smacked him beside the head and did some blatant, of course you can't do that. Again. Twice, Jeff. Twice. Not once, okay. but twice. Right after. He, 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 see, see, so my, my, my question to you is, should this guy be ever allowed to coach again? I think, yes. You, I'll tell you why. Okay. I'll tell you why. If we can allow murderers back into society and you try to integrate them and, hey, we can try to rehabilitate you, you made a mistake, or, or, or whatever a felon may be, uh, uh, reckless driving, I think everybody, man, unless you do something that, like, rape, something that you really crossed the line, hate crime, I think everybody's ever a second chance. Well, really like, okay, that. and that's a valid point. Last week I talked about the youth football game in Texas where a player 
was ejected for roughing the passer on sportsmanlike conduct, then ran out of the field after he was on the sidelines and leveled the referee, knocked him unconscious, and gave him a concussion. I said last week that he should be forced to get, he has criminal issues to deal with, and then if he ever wanted to play sports again, because it's an 18-year-old kid, he would be forced to get counseling and then be forced to be a referee for a year before he'd ever be allowed on a football field again. Absolutely. Okay, so now, like I said, I, I here's here's where I where I have an issue with this. This guy needs help because he hit a young man tw- not once but twice. But here's the thing, Jeff. He's a corrections counselor, or he's a counselor at a corrections institute. So obviously, he's had some training in this. That's where I think with this guy, I think, you know what? No, you hit a child. You shouldn't be. I, I just think you shouldn't be allowed to coach. That's just my opinion. You're entitled to yours on that. Well, let me let me Go chime ahead. in with this. Sometimes your professional, what you do for a living, that's a highly stressed job what the gentleman has. Exactly. As a curriculum. Maybe he shouldn't be allowed to coach, period. Maybe people in that profession shouldn't be allowed to coach based upon the high stress level. And when you snap, you used to snapping against adults. And that is a physical job. So maybe the job requirements, I don't want to use the word discriminate against certain of the jobs you may have, but maybe you have to take a psychological test because of what you're undergoing constantly. Sort of like having a cop being in that position, used to dealing with criminals or usurping your authority, what you say goes, you know that carries over to pretty much every area of your life. Well, That's I think one of the things, okay, I, you know, you're bringing up very valid points, and I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying here, but I, I just think that, in my opinion, if you are an adult, and you, you you take a job, whether it's paid or volunteering, to okay. coach kids, to coach youth sports, to coach to 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 be a, a. It doesn't matter what the sport or what the activity. You could be you could be the band instructor. You could be the cheerleading coach, the drill instructor for the for the you know the band, whatever. Okay, you don't hit kids, and if you can't control, not you know he did it twice now. He also made the comment, you know, th- that, you know, this was in public. Right, Blake? What did he say? He, he said that uh, I was in the wrong. I shouldn't have reprimanded the child in public. But he wasn't necessarily apologizing right. for his actions, just more how he went yeah, about that it was handling seen, it. That, that it was seen publicly. Now, look, once again, we don't know what this young man did. I mean, he may have, this young man may have mouthed off to him. He may have said for fan. I mean, who knows what he did? But even so, Jeff, you don't hit him, Right. I, I, I agree you don't hit them, but part of the problem, man, if you really want to dive into the psychological nature of this, is the way sports have taken on a world in which it shouldn't. Because now sports is looked at as being important, almost win at all costs, and whatever position, for the most part, that you're in, and being a coach, you got to win. Nobody wants a loser, and it's a highly stressful job, even in Dude, I was in. Uh, I used to coach um, basketball, and this is when my son was kind of like I don't know six, seven, eight years old. And this was twenty some years ago, man. And you would be amazed how the fans are, how the people are, how everybody want to see a winner, and yet everybody want to have their way, and everybody have all these rules that you have to follow, and it's almost impossible to do that. Again, I'm not condoning what he did is right. I'm not saying that. So don't hear that. I am saying that there are other issues involved here that maybe we can help somebody from the future 
from going down that same path by maybe looking at how we hire people. He's wrong, so don't hear well, that. Well, that's uh, Jeff. Jeff, you're hitting it right on the head, and sir, that's why I do this show. That's why I do this show to to bring this stuff up and talk about it and discuss it and try to find ways to solve it. And yep. that that's why I that's why I'm on the radio. So. I really appreciate your call, sir. Call back again. I, I love your comments. And uh, okay. you stay safe, and thank you for calling and sharing your thoughts. You too, man. Thank you. Okay. You know, here's the issue. And he brought it up. You know, sports, the role sports plays in our society today has changed. But here's the thing. Youth sports should be about having fun, growing, learning fundamentals, and enjoying the experience. The winning and losing shouldn't matter until you're in middle school or later. It just shouldn't. That's just my opinion. I know there are people out there, oh, come on, Doc, you don't get it. Well, you know what? If you have fun and you learn and grow and you learn about winning and losing and learn about success and failure, but it's not about the winning and losing, you're going to get better at it. Blake, go ahead. Well, and I think to, to really just kind of piggyback on that, when you, when you get these parents that say, oh, no, it's about winning. Well, it's about winning if you're – winning the right way when you're a young kid the point of of playing sports is to learn the sport learn the skill make sure you're getting better every game yeah if you're seven years old some people are going to put a lot of pressure on you to be good and be winning you shouldn't have that you know why because you should be figuring out one all of the all the skills i can learn for the game how to improve each week and to get better as i grow in the game and understanding not only the rules but the concepts strategies because it's not just basic stuff i mean there's basic stuff but you got to learn as you go on most kids are not going to even care when they're 20 years old what they did when they were seven if they won or lost the game they may remember if they had fun i'm sports psychologist dr andrew jacobs i hope you enjoyed the show today our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 10 WHB. They're on SoundCloud. They're on Spotify, Apple iTunes. are on my website, winnersunlimited.com. Get people to listen to this. People need to hear this. If you have comments, you can reach me at my website. The email is drj at winnersunlimited.com. At my office, 816-561-5556. You can listen to me on the podcast there, on tw- Twitter at, at drjsportspsych, all over the place. Stay safe. Take care of yourselves. And don't hit any kids, please. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Olivia from Washington. 
laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna, from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha, from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council.